Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Hey church, uh, as you all know, we have been spending this month talking about God as our good shepherd, and so I would like to introduce you to a friend of mine. This is Catherine, and Catherine's brought with her a sheep today. Can you all say hi? There you go. Very good. That is so cute, isn't it? Oh my goodness. And and this sheep has been particularly trained uh, to lead for 4-H, so this is a particularly well-behaved sheep. But as we've learned this month, uh, this sheep is still not very intelligent, you know, um, has trouble caring for itself, can't, can't really take care of itself, uh, it's always stumbling around, needing almost constant supervision. I think we should name it Steve. What do you think? <laughs> I'm kidding. This sheep's name is Poppy, and I'm sorry for offending you, Poppy. You're much better looking than Steve is. Uh, but Poppy is a, is a what's the, the particular breed is a baby doll South Down. That's right. Okay. Such a cute animal. Now, Catherine, we've been talking a lot about sheep the last few weeks in this sermon series. And one of the things Catherine told me about sheep is that well, you, you want to do the thing where they get sheared? Okay, so when it comes time for Poppy to get sheared, they'll sit her up on her backside like this. And you may have noticed Poppy likes to bat a lot and she likes to do her own thing and kind of wander around and kind of try to squirm. But when it comes time for Poppy to get sheared, they sit her up on her backside like this. And even if she's batting and struggling, a sheep will go completely silent when you put them up like this. And they won't fight And they'll just sit there and let you shear them, which gives a lot of context to when Isaiah 53 is talking about anticipating the coming suffering of Jesus. And it says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. That Jesus was utterly submissive, letting the powers do what be to him. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? And so I've learned a lot about sheep lately. Poppy, thank you for playing along here. Um, What you may have noticed in watching Catherine and Poppy come out is that uh, Poppy likes to do her own thing. Uh, She thinks she knows which way is best, but Catherine is a good guide, of course. And so whenever Poppy starts to wander or stray or go where she shouldn't be going, Catherine lovingly and gently, but very firmly, keeps Poppy there on the right path. And I think we're a lot like Poppy here, aren't we? Uh, We think we know what's best for us, and sometimes we make a lot of noise in going where we think we want to go, and we think we know which way is best for us, but ultimately, the shepherd knows which way is best. And so we're talking, we've been talking all month about how God is the good shepherd, leads us and feeds us and protects us, but today we're talking about how the good shepherd corrects us, that we all need pulled back onto the right path. Will you all join me in showing Catherine and Poppy our appreciation today? Thank you, Poppy. Thank you very much. I'd like to go ahead and welcome my next guest to the stage now. Unfortunately, he's not nearly as cute as Poppy is. Um, This is my brother, Carl. And uh, yes, he's with us. Before you make any jokes, he is my little brother. Uh, I do still consider myself the big brother, even though if you look at the two of us, clearly I am the runt of the litter. Uh, But Carl just graduated high school. He's taken a gap year, spending the fall up here working at Camp Allendale. So you'll be seeing him around this fall. Feel free to come up and say hi to Carl. But if he tells you any stories about me, do not believe them. He is a compulsive liar. Um, (laughs) uh, But the reason Carl's up with us right now is Carl actually raises sheep. 
sheep. Uh, he has a, a bunch of livestock, some other kinds of animals too, uh, pigs and chickens. And Carl, you call your agricultural operation the Chicken Bacon Ranch, uh, which I think is the best farm name I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, so Carl, I just got to know, what in the world made you want to buy sheep? Yeah, so uh, growing up, as long as I can remember, I've been around and have worked on a crop farm for my uncles. Uh, it's a family business, but I, they never did livestock, and I wanted to try livestock. There was a, a good friend down the road who raised sheep, and it seemed like something easier to get into than cattle, so very good. I decided to give it a go. Okay, so, so you bought these sheep, and we've been talking this month about how God, as our good shepherd, uh, paid a hefty price, he, the blood of his son, to welcome us into his flock, and so... I, well, just let me ask you, was it pretty expensive to buy these sheep? Yes, it was. Okay, absolutely. So you paid a hefty price to purchase these sheep, but you're not just done with them when you buy them, right? Like buying them was not the ultimate end goal. Right. So just like when God brings us into his flock, it's not just uh, to let us kind of wander and stray wherever we want to go. He is constantly watching over us and protecting us, keeping us from things we shouldn't. So uh, it's kind of a full-time job. Absolutely. I believe it. So in this job of taking care of sheep, uh, what have you learned in your sheep farming adventures about the nature of sheep? Yeah. So let me just preface that actually with a Bible verse. Matthew 9, 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, harassed and helpless pretty much defines sheep. They are <laughs> less than intelligent. Um, but I will admit I've not always had compassion to them. Uh, been, <laughs> there have been days. But learning about sheep is basically you have to have a constant eye on them. They do not take care of themselves very well. Hmm. Okay. So I, I've heard about this actually about how you have to kind of be constantly watching them. I heard – this is a true story. I read an article a while back about some shepherds in Turkey. They're sitting around eating breakfast one morning, and they have a combined flock of roughly 1,500 sheep that's just kind of meandering around. But all of a sudden, one of these sheep just wanders off. I guess you could say he was on the lamb. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the sheep kind of like meanders over to the edge of this cliff, and inexplicably – this one sheep jumps off the cliff to his death. And, and a, a few of the other sheep must have seen this one jump off the cliff and thought, hey, that's not a bad idea. Because no kidding, one by one, all 1,500 sheep wander over to the edge of the cliff, follow that guy, and jump off. You could say they really had the wool pulled over their eyes. <laughs> the crazy thing, though, is that only actually the first 450 sheep died because after that, there's just this big fluffy pillow that these sheep landed on. This is a true story and that, they, that they landed on, so the rest of them survived. It was a real lamb slide. <laughs> yeah, so sheep have a tendency to play follow the leader. Um, they, they just they see one sheep decide something, uh, and they decide to follow it, although sheep are not good decision makers. They... Uh, do very much short-term decisions, so it'll be uh, between good and bad, or bad and worse, <laughs> and they don't really know the long-term effects, they just know uh, what they think is going to happen right now. Interesting. Okay, so clearly they can't be trusted to make wise decisions in their own best interest. So what kinds of things do you have to do to protect these sheep from themselves? Yeah, so I have electric fence actually around my pasture that I have as a barrier between them um, and my neighbor's yards where they shouldn't be going. And, and uh, we have a lot of actually coyotes and stray dogs around, so to kind of keep them at bay. Uh, but the sheep um, often like to 
um, overgraze, which is whenever they eat the grass down too short to where they actually can't eat it anymore, and it's harmful to the pasture. When If they turn around, they actually have plenty of pasture. There's lots of stuff uh, behind them that would be good for them to eat, but they choose to ignore it a lot of times. Um, they'll try to go through the fence, but a good shot gets them to, to turn them around. Um, That'll preach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Scripture actually does talk about how we are often the same way. We kind of get our eyes uh, fixed on the short term and the things that, that we want right now. And we'll try to go to the other side of the fence. The grass is always greener on the other side. Um, and so the scripture I was talking about right here is Isaiah 53, 6. It reads, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hmm. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And speaking of death, um, I actually had a sheep <laughs> once named Susan. May she rest in peace. Um, so I also have pigs, uh, as Luke said earlier, and I have a barn, and that barn is separated into uh, two rooms. I have a room where I store the feed and a room where the sheep can go in uh, to get out of the rain and out of the weather. So one day I'd been out, I fed the pigs, I was coming in, I was tired, I forgot to lock the door to the feed room. So the next morning when I come out, I look out in my pasture and all my sheep are grazing except one. There's one laying over on its side with its legs sticking out. And I'm just thinking, oh man, what's gone wrong now? So I walk out there and sure enough, Susan, uh, she had died. Uh, I could not figure out why, though. I was confused. She had been healthy and robust. Just uh, She was kind of the leader of the flock, actually. She was the most energetic one, but she loved to eat. So I found later that my leaving the barn door unlocked, um, she had gotten into the feed room and eaten and eaten and eaten until her insides literally could not handle it, and they just burst. She died because she overate wow. something that she thought uh, would be good and was really not in the end. Ephesians 4.22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Her uh, deceitful desire there, I guess, was gluttony, but ours can be a lot of different things. Yeah, absolutely. So sheep kind of like nibble their way into lostness. One yeah. little decision, oh, this looks fun, oh, that looks fun, and then all of a sudden they're lost or stuck or, or, or dead. So we have, you, have to keep, you have to keep a really close eye on your sheep then. Absolutely. And we, we talked about this last week. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So Carl, are you a good shepherd? Do you know your sheep? I do know my sheep. So here, I'll name them for you. I have eight sheep currently. I have uh, Prancer. No, no, not Susan anymore, actually. Uh, Barb and... Uh, Valerie and Sissy, Missy, Prissy, Chrissy, and Rambo. So. <laughs> Rambo. So, so last week we talked about how the shepherd protects, and today we're talking about how the shepherd corrects. And we talked about how the shepherd's tool of protection is this rod, but the shepherd's tool of correction is his staff. So we have one of those there. Yeah, so you don't see a lot of these anymore, at least uh, in the Western world. Uh, we use a lot of dogs and four-wheelers uh, to kind of scare the sheep where they need to go a lot. It's more herding. But a Middle Eastern shepherd would still use this a lot. The thing that you'll notice is the, the crook here. And they'll often use that to reach out and kind of grab a sheep by the neck and pull it, kind of point it where it needs to go. And that sheep will respond a lot easier than being chased or herded somewhere because it knows the shepherd and it trusts the shepherd uh, that is using this tool of correction. Hmm, that's fascinating. Carl, thanks for joining us. We woolly appreciate it. <laughs>
All right, before we dive into God's word together, will you join me in reading out loud all six verses of Psalm 23 together? The words should be on the screen for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd corrects. The shepherd corrects. Now, if we're honest, most of the time we don't like being corrected, do we? We don't like correction. We don't like it when people uh, tell us we're wrong because we think we're right, and we like hanging out with people who agree with us, and we don't like it when people point their fingers at us. So when they do, we generally either point our fingers back at them, or we get angry, or we write them off. And yet, deep down inside, I think we all know that correction is good. I mean, if you take your car to the mechanic and the mechanic says, wow, that car is in great shape. You must be an automotive genius. And then later that day, your brakes go out because you were running out of brake fluid. You'd be mad, right? You don't go to the mechanic to just get a little ego boost and, you know, have him make you feel loved and accepted without actually giving you the hard truth and correcting the problem with your car. Uh, Similarly, if you uh, go to the doctor for a checkup and she says, wow, what a magnificent physical specimen you are. Have you ever considered going out for the Olympics? Because you should. You would be quite a competitor. But later that day, you're climbing the stairs and your heart gives out because your arteries were clogged. You would be mad, right? Because you don't go to the doctor to have her just butter you up because she doesn't want to offend you or because it's bad for for business to have people give you news, news that you don't like. You go to the doctor so she can correct what's wrong with your body. Similarly, God's correction is good for us. Proverbs chapter 12, verse one says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Wow. So so God's correction is not easy, but it is good. In fact, God's correction is God's protection. Let me say that again. God's correction is God's protection. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to these seven churches, and one of the seven churches is in a town called Laodicea, and it's a church that is going wayward. They are full of wandering sheep, and Jesus says to them in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. It reminds me of all those times as a kid where dad had me over his knee, and he's saying, son, I'm doing this because I love you, and I'm thinking, yeah, right, dad, easy for you to say, (laughs) But actually, God says the exact same thing. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says this. In your struggle with sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So if you are feeling God's conviction, that's a good sign. That means that that you have a real relationship with him. That means that he is still active in your life. The writer continues. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate 
not true sons and daughters at all. So that means that if it's been a while since God has corrected you, since you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you've responded in repentance and confession, if it's been a while, then, then that's a bad sign. That means you might not be as close to God as you think you are. The writer continues, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. God's correction is God's protection. I think maybe that's why David can say in Psalm 23, verse four, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's interesting he says it like this. I think he's saying that because God's correction, his telling us that we are wrong and that we're on the wrong path and is putting us on the right path, his correction comforts us because it reminds us that we're still his children, that, that, that he's still active in our lives, that he's still leading us to the best possible place. And make no mistake, when you follow the good shepherd, he's always leading you to the best possible place. Here's how we like to say it in our house. Obedience equals blessing. Obedience equals Blessing. So to obey, to follow the shepherd's correction, to go where he's telling you to go, is to always end up in green pastures and quiet waters. As you obey, you will always be able to say, as David did, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Obedience equals blessing. Or, stated negatively, flip the coin over on the other side. Here's a great line for parenting. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Choose to sin, choose to to suffer. If you choose to sin, to wander away, to avoid and ignore the shepherd's correction, then you are choosing danger and loneliness and pain. Uh, our family likes to go on walks, and a lot of the time as we're on a walk, Judah will kind of ride his bike off in front of us, but if he's getting close to a crosswalk, Rebecca will call out just two simple words. Judah, pause. And, and in that moment, Judah has two choices. He can choose to sin and choose to suffer or he can choose to obey, to listen, to stop. And obedience equals blessing, a.k.a. not getting hit by a car. <laughs> you know, Jesus says that one of the ways you know that you're one of his sheep, the way you know that you're in his flock, is if you know his voice. If you hear him calling out to you and you recognize and respond to his correction. In Jesus' day, shepherds at night would often lead their flocks of sheep kind of all together into one common sheep pen for the night. And they would kind of all just spend the night there, all the sheep mixed together. And then in the morning, the shepherds would come back, stand outside the sheep pen, and they would call their sheep. And the sheep would come out, and they would sort themselves out, flock by flock, each one following its own shepherd, because the sheep recognized the shepherd's voice. And Jesus says this in John chapter 10. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize his voice. So let me ask you, do you know his voice? And, and if you want to know the voice of the shepherd, if you want to hear the voice of the shepherd, then you need to regularly be listening to the major ways that the shepherd speaks. 
There's three major ways that the shepherd speaks I want to I hit on tonight. God speaks through three main things. His word, his spirit, and his people. The word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. First, the word of God. We spent a lot of time a couple months ago in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. One scholar says that means that God's word is good for showing us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Listen, if you're not in God's word, don't expect to hear God's voice. This right here is the clearest way that God speaks today. And as you are in scripture, you will hear him correct you. And, and if you're new to Bible reading, that's okay. If you don't know where to start, you're intimidated. Don't be, that's all right. Just start with one of the gospels. Start with the gospel of John. It's the stories of Jesus. And just take it slow. Take, it, take a chapter a day. And before you read it, sit down and, and just pray. Ask God to speak to you as you read. And then as you read, just ask some really basic core questions of the text. What's happening here? Uh, what does this tell me about God? What's confusing here? Uh, what sticks out to me? What in this text do I need to believe? What, what do I need to obey? And by all means, if you're new in this journey, if you have questions, it is complicated. I get it. We love walking through scripture alongside people. Please reach out to us. This is, we, we, we love this. God speaks through his word. If you want to hear his voice, you've got to be in his word. Secondly, God speaks through his spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us when we follow Jesus. He's there to empower us, to convict us, to guide us. And in David's day, when the sheep went back into the sheepfold for the night, the shepherd would be there at the gate of the sheep pen, and he would hold his rod out like this. And each of the sheep would have to pass under his rod. And he would stop them there at the gate of the sheep pen. And each sheep individually, he would use that rod to pull back the wool, to get down to the skin layer, to look for cuts and bruises and bugs, wounds that might need addressed. And only then would he let them pass into the sheepfold after he'd had time examining each and every one. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. We have to make time to pause, to stop, to be with him, to let him examine us, to let him check us, to expose our wounds, to peel back the layers and rip out those parts of us that need addressing. So practically, build in time to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Stop and be silent and be, be still. Learn to listen for the still, small voice and just ask him, to correct you, to convict you, to guide you, and then just stay there. And your mind will get distracted. The monkeys will be jumping to a thousand different trees in your head, and that's all right. Just lovingly, gently draw your mind back into his presence over and over again and stay there with him and allow him to probe you. As you go about your day, uh, leave room in your thoughts for God. Give space in your mind to him. Be open in your heart to the gentle tapping of his staff of correction as you talk and as you make decisions and as you work. God speaks through his word, his spirit, and thirdly, he speaks through his people. Sheep need a flock. A lone sheep is a dead sheep. Uh, when Carl was a kid, now, if you asked him a question, a lot of the time he would answer by saying, well, do you want the honest answer or the friendly one? <laughs> and, and you need godly people in your life who will give you the honest answer. Especially in this year where we have been isolated, this is the year of social distancing, right? So we are never more needed now of relational intimacy and honesty. If you're not in a home group, you need to be. 
You need to be in a home group because our entire home group is built around the idea of helping you listen to the shepherd's voice and respond in obedience. It's oriented around these two questions. What has God been saying to you lately and how are you responding? We as a flock, we listen to his voice. We follow him together. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You cannot, you cannot follow Jesus alone. So you can always, always go to mypcc.info, tap on the group's card there, get signed up for a group today, please. Because God speaks through his word, his spirit, and his people. And as we learn to listen to his voice, you will feel him gently tapping you with his staff to correct you. And we'll respond in obedience because obedience equals blessing. God's correction is God's protection. But what about when we don't obey? What what about when we don't listen to his voice? What about when we do choose to sin and, and we do suffer? How does God treat me when I wander away? How how does God treat you when you wander away? When you've strayed from the path, when you've done it again, when you've gotten yourself lost over and over and over again and you're stuck and you're ashamed and you can't get out, what does the shepherd do when he finds his wandering sheep? I mean, surely he sells them, right? Or or maybe he has lamb for dinner. (laughs) Maybe he beats you. Or or, or maybe he'll, he'll teach you a lesson. Or maybe he'll swap you for a nicer, more obedient sheep, right? No, no, no. Jesus tells us what happens when he finds us. Luke chapter 15. He says, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds us? He comes after us. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. That's my story. I was lost. I was stuck over and over and over and over again. But Jesus came. The good shepherd became one of the sheep, and he was the only sheep who didn't wander away. And yet, and yet, when he was arrested, he didn't protest. When he was tried illegally, he didn't fight back. When he was beaten and mocked and scorned, he didn't say a thing. He didn't come down off of the cross. No scripture says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross as silently and as resiliently as a sheep being sheared. He put the cross on his shoulders. He put my sin, he put your sin on his shoulders. He put us on his shoulders so that he could bring us home. He died and he rose again on the third day and he brought me home so that we could join his flock, so that we could hear his voice, so that we could follow his lead. He met me on the wrong path and he put me on the right path for his name's sake, David said. That's my story, and that's your story too. Isaiah 53 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is our good shepherd. Let's pray.
Jesus, we praise you because you did not open your mouth. When you, the innocent one, were slain on our behalf, you died willingly. You said that nobody took your life from you. You laid it down of your own accord, and we praise you for that. And we're here again to take your body and your blood, to remember, to celebrate, to honor you for your sacrifice. Thank you, O Lamb of God, you are worthy. And we also praise you now because you are alive, resurrected, reigning over all the universe, and you do open your mouth. You do speak still today through your word and your spirit and your people. So here we are, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.